Today, we're talking about the seven deadly sins in relationship. Not today, Satan. So, chap, we're going to kick it off with number one. Not asking for what we need after accessing the internals and really figuring out which of our emotional needs we can meet for ourselves, right? And we know that we've talked about this a lot, right? We know that we can go in and do all that really aggressive work of figuring out what our inner needs are and how to meet them for ourselves. But we still, because we're social beings, is gonna, we're going to need a little bit from the people in our lives. And it's okay to ask for that stuff. I don't know. We don't need to go too deeply into this one today, chaps. So let's just follow just, through. Let's just, yeah, yeah. We, we know where to send them. Go to the episode where we talk all about emotional needs. It's a great one. And we get into depth on how to figure that all out for yourself. All right. So the next sin in relationship is not setting and holding boundaries around our needs so as not to transgress, trespass. What was your term for it? Uh, screw yourself. Screw yourself. <laughs> Um, so we don't want to screw ourselves by not putting <laughs> boundaries in place. Otherwise, we are constantly um, hurting ourselves, essentially. And that's another one we really got into in a recent episode. So look up our episode on boundaries and transgressions. All right. So sin number three is lacking confidence, which we're going to just define that real quickly. That would be not knowing what is really true about yourself, others, and the world. So you got to really start looking underneath the masks that you wear, right? And uncovering the truth about who you really are under all the things that we layer on top of ourselves to pretend to the world. You know, to be a chameleon, that's what we do best is uh, try to get accepted. But the problem is we're trying to get accepted for something other than our truth, and then we get bitter about that. Yeah, and that's kind of your fault. That's <laughs> so. Don't screw yourself. <laughs> you know, exactly. These are these don't are really good. I'm, don't I'm actually, sin against yourself. Don't sin against yourself. Another yeah. word for transgression: Trespass. screwing yourself is sinning. <laughs> don't bone yourself. Don't bone yourself. That's getting weird. Now we're getting weird. With uh, I'll just be right here. I'll be yeah. Okay. okay. So sin number four in relationships is not keeping promises, not being a show up person. Um, and being a show up person starts with how you show up for yourself, right? When you make promises to yourself that you don't keep, you can be sure that even you don't trust yourself. So how can someone else trust you? Yeah. Is that kind of like a little flighty? Is that maybe a, in my, in my basic colloquy, is that kind of what that is? It feels like a little flighty. Like you're, you're not really sure of what like your lack of commitment, you know, it's like lack of commitment. when you make a promise, show up for it. Right. And, and let me, a man of his word, yeah, be impeccable and, with your word. And I know people that when, when they commit to something, they believe that they can do it. They know they can do it, but then they, but then something happens where they're like, Oh, sorry. I have, I can't, I got, I got something. It's like a wishy-washiness. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that they did it intentionally it's just it materializes internally so well and that's a that's a good part of this you know maybe we can pull on this a little bit because i believe that when we start uh over promising right for what we can actually deliver that's also a mask we're wearing that's also a, something we got to look at like why do we keep over promising do we think that we have to make these big promises for people to be wanting to be in our proximity you know wanting us to be around in that and then when we can't show up for them we need to start recognizing, taking responsibility for where we're sabotaging ourselves by making, by overpromising. Or yeah, in a way, of, in a way of saying it, it's okay to say no. 
For sure. And it's a practice, especially like we've talked so much about the people pleaser on this show. It's a practice that you have to really start in, in uh, interjecting into your life on purpose. Like um, I had a, a mentor, a business mentor once who made me say no uh, nine times within the week to things that, you know, I knew would take some of my time and it wasn't in the direction that I wanted to spend, you know, to further my business or whatever it was. So that was really, I had to be really conscious of it. And every time I report or every time I said no, so something like that, I had to report to him what it was I said no about specifically and go through that. And, and it really, it, it's amazing how many things that you just don't even consciously realize that you're saying yes to just out of habit that you should, you could be saying no to that would free you up to actually move towards your goals. You That'd know? be more productive. That'd be more productive and would cause less bitterness in yourself, you know, because you're doing it for someone else and you're, you're sacrificing, you're trespassing yourself by doing all for someone that's else. A, that's a really good idea. one. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good one. So don't sin against yourself in that way. And then what are we on? Number five. Number five is not having a secondary outlet to vent your feelings to, right? Ooh, yeah, for instance, if you're a guy listening to this, just know that your 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 woman, she she wants you to be able to access and feel all your feelings, but she doesn't want to see you cry all the time. She doesn't want to be your therapist. You know what I mean? She so get involved with we've, we've given examples on this show as well, Chep, a brotherhood elder male mentor, uh, therapist, you know, look for a therapist, by the way, that fits your particular needs and emotional wounding. And this is a thing that I think, uh, I wish I knew when I started my own like personal internal journey is finding someone as a therapist who, um, can reflect and kind of act as not really, they're not on purpose acting as, but who I could project my, uh, the caregiver that I had a lot of wounding with onto. So like, for instance, if you have a lot of father wounds, then you're going to want to have a therapist who's an elder male. You can kind of project that onto, or if you have a lot of mother wounds, you're going to want to find an elder female. You can project those wounds onto, and you understand how that goes. And you can kind of switch from therapist to therapist where you've worked on mother wounds for a long time with a female therapist then move over to a male therapist who might be able to hold that um, persona. And having, having some honest friends is good too. And, and, you know, you don't have to go to one friend all mm -hmm. the time and blow them up. You can go, you can have a, a friend that's more of a, a business associate that you guys can complain or talk about business stuff. Instead of going home to your significant other, you can have a friend that you can talk to about, um, you know, women problems. And, you know, so there's all sorts of, you don't have to have a one, you don't have to have one person. And I think it's important to, begin realizing that all humans are struggling with something. And if you can be the person who is brave enough to go to someone who is close to you and say, Hey, I want to share something with you, but I'm scared about it because I don't want it to be like a thing. Can, you know, and you can have that really honest conversation. You can start, open, you can find that kind of camaraderie that you can open up to. And it's much more accessible, sure. than uh, you know, for a lot of people, especially than going to a professional. Um, and I think you, your, you know, your brotherhoods, sisterhoods, your, your friendships can definitely get you so much help and so much, uh, guidance, but there are times where we do need Absolutely. some serious, yeah, totally. some more professional help. <laughs> I'm speaking for myself here. <sighs> All right. So we get the gist of that one, right? So sin number six is fighting to be right in relationship instead of figure, instead of fighting to be on the same team. So this is really about, uh, 
building a new vocabulary for communicating through truth and love. So both of you get your emotional needs heard, acknowledged, and then hopefully also met. And we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. what is the favorite phrase that I have- That you don't like? <laughs> no, that you don't like? You don't like. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that I don't I like. Have... Oh, ba- babe. Mm-hmm. Ba- oh, let me see if I can this remember. This is this, I'm just bringing this in because this is no, the, know. the you know, nonviolent, on the same team type of communication we want to start this using. This is the Mercedesism. Okay. It's babe. This is my camera. Yes. <laughs> babe, is there a need that's not getting met? Right. So maybe before even saying that, you hear out whatever's going on there or, you know, you confront the resentment or the bitterness or, you know, the the passive aggressiveness you're seeing in your partner and you slow down and say, you know, what, you know, what's going on here? And she, maybe it's, and maybe it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you can see that she's angry. And what you're trying to do is not call her crazy in any way or tone, right? And so you would want to find a way that you can say the phrase, that makes sense. Like, why are you upset? And she's upset because, I don't know, you didn't wash the dishes today and I've told you a million times I need you to wash the dishes and I just can't, I think you're just trying to take advantage of me because you think I'll just do it because I hate having dishes in the sink, <sighs> you know? And you're, you would say, that makes sense. You know, you being angry for this makes sense. Now, now speaking of the mentor, or the buddy, the mm-hmm. buddy, I, I like to see the term buddy. I, I mean, because they're, they're kind of the similar, but they're also different. I had a friend of mine, old, old guy, old guy. Mm. And he's my, he's my buddy. And if he's watching, I'm going to make him watch this. I'm going to make him watch it. But he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. He would look at me and he'd go, I'd be something. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be. He's like, Chris, 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 Chris. <laughs> he's this old, wise guy. And he goes, Chris, he goes, she, she's a woman, man. She's just, she's a woman. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like dumb. It's really dumb. But the point is received. I'm an old guy. You, You're exactly. And I love that you said it was an older guy, right? Yeah, like someone much older. who, yeah. Because I think for a lot of men, they, they. This is the reason that it becomes that crazy making, triggering each other. We're fighting against each other instead of fighting to be on the same team in relationship or in peer groups. You see each other as like. I probably know more than you, or I'm got more wisdom in me or whatever the thing is you think. And then you believe you're right, literally. Right. But when an, you have an elder male, male mentor, like you're describing right now, in the case of being a man and having an elder male mentor, he can give you this guidance that comes with a gravity because you know he's been here longer and whatever reasons that you can believe him um, and trust that his knowledge is pretty sound, right? And that's critical to know that that's an option. Well, and his deployment is very disarming or, or very, very yeah. well-received to somebody like me. He but just, like I'm saying, if one of your buddies said that to you, you'd probably still be going, blah, 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 you know, yeah, it slows you down. And that's the thing. And yeah. what he's saying is kind of funny. And it's in a mm-hmm. funny way of like, you, you're, it's like, you should know this by yeah. now. Come on. And then now, you know, then when he did it later, he's like, Chris. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. All right. So we, t- we talked about- you I'm know, not going to give you his number, by the way. Asking if there's a need that's not being met. That's always a, you know, however you have to communicate that in whatever language you want to use. But the idea is to say everything we're talking about here through truth and love. And then another uh, thing that's really important to always make sure is stated so that you are putting yourselves on the same team and reminding each other you're on the same team is saying that I'm committed to us, right? I'm committed to the relationship and I want to come back to this or I want to work through this. And if you can't do it right then, then let's come back to this. I'm committed to coming back to it and let's set a time to do that and then actually show up for doing that. Mm -hmm. 
So that is getting your point across and also getting heard for whatever your side of the street is without making the other person wrong, making sure you guys are on the same team. Okay, so sin number seven is not letting someone feel something all the way through before coming in with your feelings. This was a big one. It was really hard for me to learn this one. And I don't know, you know, if it goes, I don't know on both sides of the street if it feel, you know, if it's the same across the board. Of course, like I'm just going to kind of stereotype, but as a female, I know that I really need to have my emotions completely, you know, I need to, if I'm in a conflict with my partner, I need to be able to speak the parts about what I'm feeling and have that heard, understood, and know that he's acknowledged and made sense, you know, that it makes sense to him and be able to finalize and express that before he jumps in. So if he was to be like, I'm telling him, you know, and I, and I just feel really take, you know, I just like my example with the dishes, I don't know. I really feel taken advantage of, and I'm just not being respected in this house and whatever. And it makes me feel, you know, sad. And like, I I'm little again, and I'm just have no power here. And I, my voice doesn't, you know, stand a chance. And as he's saying that makes sense, if he was to turn around and say, that makes sense, and gave me that piece of it, that makes sense. And then right in the next breath said, and it really makes me feel like I'm not taken care of, you know, as the man of the household or whatever, whatever his quip might be. I didn't get any chance to have that emotion fully be expressed and completed so that I could change places essentially and then hold the space for his feelings about how this comes about. So it's super critical that we allow our partner to feel something all the way through and we keep using the phrase, is there anything more there? Or you know, something like that. Is there anything more you wanna say about that? Until they're like, no, that was everything. It's complete essentially. Then we can come back with, Thank you for sharing that, essentially. And this is this is an actual non, it's called nonviolent communication. It's a very famous way of communicating in a relationship and you can take it however you want, but you use your words the way you want. These are just words that I know work. So then when you turn that back around and you want to get into your side of the street, it's always about how I feel. It's not about you did this or you're making me feel, right? It's about I feel this X, Y, Z instead of making or blaming the other person. That way our feelings don't start triggering, getting entangled into a fight where we're trying to be right about having our feelings that we have. Yeah. And practically, um, one, one of those is um, where you have, you want to get your point across and let them just listen. Practically speaking, you need, it's the release. You're, you're dumping uh, and I don't mean that like in a negative, I'm just saying like you're dumping off, you're getting your, the weight off your shoulders. And if you, and if you get chopped early, you don't actually get that full uh, release of the dump where, uh, so it's kind of like it, it doesn't, no matter who you're talking to, your significant other is obviously more key, but no matter who mm-hmm. you're talking to, you gotta let let them okay, like let them get it all the way out, and then and some people tend to talk more than others, and vice versa. But let them get it out because just letting them do it, regardless of how you respond, you could respond like "f you," but the fact that you let them dump it out 
is just internally going to feel better for that person. Mm-hmm. The other more pra- the other practical ways, if you're on the other end of it, and somebody's like, you know, you don't want to let them, you know, you want to let them finish, right? Is just practically they might say something that you agree with, and if you cut them off, you wouldn't have heard it, and it doesn't fulfill practically your argument or your side if you didn't let them get all the information out because it's better for you to have them talk because there might be something towards the end of the conversation right. that they never would have said had you cut them off that you would have been able to use in your argument to your advantage. I love that you say your argument. Well, whatever it is, <laughs> your, your argument. I mean, I don't mean that like Or I would say that, yeah, when we're talking about in loving sense, relationship, right, right. <laughs> loving, loving relationship where yeah. we're on the same team. Yeah, there, there may be something in, in the context of their feeling that they're tr- attempting to get across to you that delivers actually a nugget of resonance, like something where actually you can come closer together over and be like, oh, I actually am understanding something. This is making more sense to me the way you feel that way, you know, and and you put it together in a way that's healing instead of, you know, uh, creating a dissonance. Yeah, right. Yeah, and but you're of, proffering for a position. So when you say argument, it's just another word for your. You have a position internally that you're trying to proffer, or you're trying to position for, and that is, hey, I don't do the, you know, you don't do the dishes enough. I don't feel wanted. Whatever. Right. That's your position, and your then need, yeah. your need, and his position might be, well, that's. I understand, but I empty the trash every freaking whatever, and I get stinky and whatever your thing is. So you have to allow both of the, because you have to hear both sides. And by the way, you're both right and you're both wrong. Right. And it's just, so it is just your position. And if you don't understand the other side's argument or position. And the other good thing too, about letting the person finish is they might discover on their own, they're being ridiculous. Sure. Or their, or their needs are kind of, and so you got to let them finish and then you're like, oh, and then, and then they might discover just through talking it out that they're Mm -hmm. just kind of being ridiculous. Yeah. And through that, that might be the thing that releases whatever the angsty feeling that's building in the partner. Sometimes they just want to talk like, like, like my significant other, she doesn't want me to solve anything. Mm -hmm. She just wants me to tell her what the problems were. And I'm like, and I'm, my problem is, and this is my problem. I'm always trying to solve stuff. Okay. Let's figure. She doesn't want that. She doesn't want Jump in with the fix in the middle of a feeling being delivered to you. It's like, you're not hearing me. You know, you are I'm a noble not, soul for attempting that, but right. you have to remember that might not be the point. And I don't even know, a noble soul is the one who is conscious of this. I think the person who is attempting that has good intention and they want to fix it, but we have to remember that when okay, we Okay, but this, to, is, this is tomato, tomato though, is what I'm sure. saying. So I mean, it's whatever you want to use as the language to describe that. The point is you are a good person for trying to fix the problem, but the, the fact is you might just be better served by just letting her get it off the chest. I don't know, because I am a fixer. So I'm, this is, this is a personal issue for me. I have to slow down and be like, stop trying to fix the thing because I think that's so noble, right? I think that I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to save this. I'm going to save you all those things. And the reality is that the, like you're saying, allowing someone to draw out the actual solution for themselves is much more constructive, you know, well, and, and this more is, long-term. And this is the Socratic method again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it drives my kid crazy because he'll ask me a question. I'll turn and ask him a question and return. Why are you doing that lawyer stuff? I mean, like, it's just the smart way to do it mm-hmm. because you'll discover on your own that w- you'll either A, discover the answer, you'll B, discover another question that leads to the answer, or you'll just, or you'll just figure out it's dumb. And so it's like, just let you, okay, fine. And I'm not like, I'm not like you. We're always trying to solve problems mm-hmm. and it drives 
people nuts. It drives people yeah. nuts. And I apologize. Because they just want to be heard, you know? They just, it. and it's not even that they want to be heard. They want to just say shit. Out. They don't know this. A lot of people don't know this. They just want to say things out loud. All of us, I, don't, I want to do the same thing. Humans, we want to say things out loud because in the reflection, in communion with other people, we hear the reverberation, you know, we hear it reverberate back and we figure out the answer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of proof that we are God incarnated in, in the myriad of disguises. And it's fun. And in a way, it's fun because I do it as well. I'm very guilty of it. Everybody <laughs> on the set knows this. I run my mouth a lot. But I also do this because it's kind of funny and I'm kind of making fun of myself as well. Mm. And a lot of and, you know, people do get my humor sometimes. And it's like he's running his, okay, that's funny. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm not really like, I'm antagonistic, but not because I believe what I'm saying. I'm saying it to get people to be like, oh yeah. And they get to thinking about it. And then I leave, oh, hey, have fun with that one. Mm. And it's just really more to like, it's more like the professorial or the, or the, the Socrates or whatever it is. I'm just kind of like throwing in and okay, let's see if it, but I'm not doing it to be a jerk. Yeah. I'm just doing it because it gets you thinking. I think it is important though to, to discuss, you know, and, and this is kind of just taking us back a little bit in this conversation to discuss the, part of the fixer mind, and I'm just speaking from my own, that turns on and wants to fix and taking responsibility for that part of us. Yes, it's with good intention. We believe it's with good intention, but I actually think that's a really surface, you know, level way of looking at it, which is the way most people are comfortable staying. But if we take it one step deeper, the actual act of trying to fix someone or something is the reality, you know, let's change the language. We're actually trying to change someone or something to make us feel more comfortable. Because when someone's uncomfortable, we see something that needs to be fixed, that makes us feel uncomfortable. And it's really our nervous system response that we're tr- attempting to save and repair. I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I think definitely what you're saying is true. My only, the caveat I would like to throw in there though is, on a more simple level, if somebody's coming to me and they say, hey, I need to talk to you about what Bert's doing yeah. in accounting, and 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 he's complaining about what Bert's doing, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I have to think, why is this guy here? Mm-hmm. Is he here because he just wants to complain and vent, let's go to lunch, fine? Right. Or is he here because there's genuinely a problem in accounting that needs to be fixed? Right. And so I think it's very natural for, you know, in my case, I'm a guy, but for whoever, th- when you go and I, my job is to fix things or whatever, and you come to me with a problem, I'm just looking at it as you came with me a problem and you, and I'm thinking that's your responsibility. If you came with me because you didn't want to be changed and I'm, and you're worried, I'm going to be some narcissist and try to change you for the betterment of me and all that. I'm like, well, whatever. I don't really care about that because then don't come to me. And but so, you just said that as you started that you, you're going to sort it. So you're going to discern, is he here to vent and actually just, am I to lend right. my nervous system to him so that, which means you have to be able to hear something out without trying to fix it. Right? But you have to know what that is. And that's the thing is I'm not good. I'm not aware. And nobody's really perfect at knowing how to ask that in a way that's going to extract what they really want. Right. That's what we're, what we're talking about today, right? Is discerning the difference between when someone needs to have their feelings heard all the way so mm. that they can have this completion moment and they can decide what to do with it on their and own. And it's probably a case-by-case basis anyway, because it depends on who your who your person is that you're, because if Bert likes to, or whoever this is, James sure, likes to complain a lot, then it's like But you like can even hear from the words that they're saying, right? If it's, a, it's a, if it's a complaint that they actually want solved, and you can even ask them things like, you know, what do you think's the right thing to do about it? Well, you know, I see, maybe if they start giving yeah, some I mean, reason that you have to step in, then maybe this is an indicator. Agreed, agreed. But I'm not their psychologist or their psychiatrist. I'm there because I'm in a position that they need my help with something. At least that's the perception of basically the org chart or whatever it is. Yeah. 
And so that, unf- and, and I'm giving, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to give a lot of the, the guys at home, because I think a lot of our viewers are guys at this point, whatever, but guys and girls at home that are probably have a, you know, pretty successful in their, in their work life. And they have people in their work life that look up to them. And so they're used to helping those people solve problems. So when they get home and they're in a situation with a significant other, they're in that mode. mode. Yeah. So it's, I think it's totally natural. I guess what you're saying is maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. It can be a sin in relationship. You need to look at, you need to think about, you you need to be a little more conscientious of it. Of that being maybe not what she's coming to you for. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. And that takes, you know, understanding what we're talking about, which in psychology terms would be co-regulation and that's recognizing first of all that someone needs you to lend their nervous system to them in that moment so like they're coming to you because you're not in a like you don't usually come to someone who's super stressed out and vent to them because you know they're not going to be able to hold it for you unless you're really your close (laughs) friend or something but that's very rare well what i'm saying is if you're if i'm stressed out and you're already stressed out you got a lot of shit going on oh yeah you don't want to do that i'm not going to come to you i'm going to probably find a friend who has a little more of a stable moment going on in their life for the time right And when you do that, why are we doing that? We're doing that because we need someone else's nervous system to be essentially lended to us for the moment as we vent and go through this thing. And if we can think of ourselves as kind of an extension in that way when we're in a stable place and we can hold that type of space for people, we have really nice uh, communion and communication and we're we're doing that, uh, that sometimes difficult work of, just being there and holding space and listening. Yeah, I, yeah. I, the only thing I would like to caution on is that if you are the person we're talking to and you're the one that's thinking, okay, Bert over there just wants to loan me his nervous system or I, I'm going to loan him my nervous system so that he can vent because he's got something that he's dealing with internally mm-hmm. and he's got this and he's got to dump it on me and I'm going to be the person. You don't have to say it. yes to it. Yeah. Agreed. But what I'm saying is don't be so fast to think that, because I, I guess I'm cautioning, you're not you're you're not necessarily better. You're not necess, You're not better than Bert. You're not absolutely. Not. You're no way Bert's savior in this situation. You need a friend. Hopefully, Bert will be one true. Of those. But in this exact scenario, you might have nothing to do with that. You might Bert might just need to come to you because you're on the team and Bert wants to help fix the problem. Mm-hmm. I think in the relationship standpoint, which is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you should be more conscious of the fact that you might. It might be as simple as you're just loaning your. I, I say like a verbal punching bag. I don't know what that is, but, but you're just loaning the, okay, let, let's hear it. And you're just more like, I know the therapist, the problem with the term therapist, unless you are a therapist, the problem with the term therapist is it, 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 to me, it has this connotation of a superior and an inferior, and that's my fault, whatever. But that's the connotation I receive is, oh, my therapist, a therapist is an, more I an expert. that's a taboo we're breaking through this show. But, but, but what I'm saying is a therapist is not taboo. It should not be taboo. We right. should break through, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying when you think, and you're not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, or whatever, and you're not, you know, whatever you are, and you are thinking, I'm going to be the therapist, and I'm going to have the therapist. Where they don't do that. Just be the friend and be a good friend. Be a listener. Be a li- good a listener, fixer. not a therapist, because there's therapists right. for that. Go to the therapist. In other words, don't don't practice law if you don't have a law license. Just because you read a legal book, don't practice law. What I'm saying is, just be a good friend and listen. And you might be really good at, it, and you might be better than than who they would have thought to go to. Okay. 
All right, y'all, that was fun. I hope you got something out of it. Those are the seven sins of relationship. Try to steer clear. And as always, you can catch us through the links below. Comment, connect, subscribe, and share with anyone who might need to hear it. We do this show every week, so catch us again next week. And then we're reminding you, as usual, you already are. <laughs>